This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello, folk of the fermented flock, and welcome to another lock-in on the Hop Forward podcast. When I floated the idea of doing a mini-series exploring some of the underbelly of the beer industry back in January, I was flooded with private messages from brewers and bar staff sharing their personal stories, many of whom started with the prerequisite, I'd like to share this anonymously. It seems that discussing topics such as workplace treatment, remuneration for overtime, expectations from business owners, morale and general emotional and physical well-being seems to be something that we talk about in hushed tones. As I alluded to in last week's introduction to the under beer belly of a hashtag brewer's life, while these examples certainly don't exist across the board, they present themselves under the cover of darkness. Beneath the veneer of an ex-pro of Valencia filter, you will hear stories such as this coming from a brewer from a recognised brewery. I work at a brewery and we've had lots of issues here on the floor due to poor management, lack of communication and dodgy working practices. Some of us are unionised and have support which helps a lot, but I have to be careful with what I say because I've spoken up many times in the past. Our day-to-day activities remain difficult, tiring and unsupported, but the company feels this can be sold with offers of free counselling, but morale is low. Turnover is high. Many of us have back, shoulder and neck injuries. We've had a series of serious injuries from caustic and boiling water accidents, an unfair dismissal and a significant change to our working hours. Another brewer from a different brewery contacted me to say, I've had to change my job, city and home to combat the effects my job was having on my personal life. One of the biggest issues I faced was working in a small team where we were all good friends. There was no professional work environment or structure. That was great because we could chat and have fun, but it was quote unquote okay to shout and argue, to be rude and aggressive because we would always forgive each other. It also meant I felt obliged to work excessive hours, take work home and allow expenses to go unpaid. I'd like to stress that this was only 1% at the time, but enough to seriously impact myself and others. And then someone involved in running bars said, I've opened six bars in six years and recently had a breakdown and was admitted to a psychiatric ward for nine days just before Christmas. These are a few examples of the sorts of messages that flooded my inbox back in January when researching this mini-series. And let me emphasise, I know many brewery and bar owners who run companies that treat their employees with respect and due care, rewarding them with good pay, flexible working hours, the correct training and PPE, and token gestures such as Growler Fridays or Team Pizzas. But there are many examples of inexperienced people entering the industry and working for peanuts because they're desperate to get their foot on the brewery professional ladder, willing to work for 12k per annum as a head brewer with minimum pension contributions and not much else to show for the long tireless hours. 
The moral of the story is simple for both employer and employee alike. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. Having put this contentious topic out there, I was contacted by a fellow Brit and former brewing professional now living in America who has worked for numerous breweries, both large and small, to discuss some of the issues surrounding well-being and mental health in the beer industry. Mike McGuigan left the industry little over a year ago, having had the straw that broke the camel's back working for a small American startup craft brewer. He shares his personal story and reflection on what I consider to be one of the main issues that the beer industry is not facing up to. How many of its workers, the heart and soul of many brew houses, its operatives, are not tenderly cared for. In this episode, we look at some of the mental and emotional impacts of working in brewing, the financial ramifications for many of its operatives, the two-way support that needs to take place between employee and business owners alike, and the excessive drinking that can creep in just to keep a lid on it all. Well, a serious topic needs serious beer. It's time for this week's This week's brewery shout out goes to my good friends from Huddersfield's Lord's Brewing Co. Uh, Lord's Brewing Co is a family and community focused brewery who love to make great beer that's accessible for everyone. They try and blend old with new to make very drinkable, satisfying beers. They've got a new beer out actually called Handbook Session IPA, which was done with chill hop artist Handbook, which has had over 600,000 listens a month on Spotify. The beer itself has a track called Pride Before the Fall, which if you imagine sitting in the sun drinking a beer, that's exactly what it's for. I mean, you can find out more about this at their website, which is lordsbrewing.com forward slash handbook session IPA. You'll be able to read more about it and get hold of that beer. And obviously visit their online shop at lordsbrewing.com where you can use the code hashtag hop forward for £5 off your order. That's lordsbrewing.com with the code hashtag hopforward and while you're drinking their beautiful beer make sure you follow us on all the socials at hopforwardbeers and connect with us on LinkedIn uh, search for our Facebook group which is hopforward getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business you can find that on Facebook got a, a group of growing brewer and beer professionals on there um, and at some point soon when I actually have more time on my hands uh, and I'm not juggling homeschool and all the rest of it um, or brew school actually I have to with my kids um, which uh, they got as far as the uh, the hop editions and they got bored so that's that's quite a way into the process um, but I'll be putting up some uh, other content on there some ask me anything some uh, live webinars and all that kind of thing so search for the Facebook group you can go to our website as well hotford.beer for more episodes like this and find out some of the work that we do with Hot Forward, with brand development, consultancy, design, web design, been doing web shops for people at the moment. So if you need a web shop to sell your luscious beers on, make sure you get in touch. And finally, make sure you join us down the winchester.hotforward.beer where you can download a seven day 
mini-series podcasts about how to weather the storm. And this goes into not just looking at your business development during this period we find ourselves in, but actually some personal development as well and how you can better yourself as a person from a more holistic level. Because as I'm sure you'll find out from today's episode with Mike McGuigan, if we're all right, then the beer will be all right. But if we're struggling, then it all goes south pretty quick. So make sure you go to thewinchester.hotforward.beer. So let's crack open today's episode with Mike McGuigan, a former brewer now living in Kansas City, all about well-being and emotional health in the brew house. Today, I'm joined by Mike McGuigan, all the way from Kansas City. Hello. Hi, Nick. How's it going? Not so bad. You know, it's, it's, it's surprising when I spoke to you because I was expecting you to be like, howdy, boy. But um, <laughs> you know, that was the worst American accent ever. I'm, I apologize wholeheartedly to American no listeners. But um, but no, you're, you're from uh, the Wirral. Yeah, I'm from the Wirral, just on, on Merseyside, yeah. So how, how did you end up in the States? Uh, sort of a long story. I worked with... Um, a guy who was head brewer at Meantime Brewery right, uh, a okay. long time yeah. ago. <clears throat> and he's a German brewer. He ended up working at uh, Budweiser in St. Louis, where the sort of world headquarters were. And uh, when uh, they kind of uh, became part of uh, InBev, mm. uh, him and a group of friends from the brewery set up a craft brewery. So they sort of took redundancy or uh, that sort of thing and came together with a bunch of skills and a bunch of experience and set up a um, really good brewery. And at that time, sort of a year or two after that, uh, we were still in touch. And um, I was uh, kind of not quite sort of bored, but a little bit uh, at my current job. I was working at a really good, really sort of well-run uh, microbrewery on the Wirral. Um, but kind of from the beer range point of view it was pretty uh tame so they're all english cask beers um and we kind of basically did four or five beers per year so as a brewer in terms of like the creative side it was not the best so some challenges in terms of production and it was interesting in other ways we made made some great beer but it wasn't the most sort of dynamic company at that time at least um so I'd been head brewer for a few years and just decided I wanted to change. So I'd looked around, had a few really interesting um, interviews, uh, but nothing was sort of coming to, a, to fruition anytime. Very soon, people were saying like, yeah, you're definitely on the list. We're almost positive that we're going to take you on. But, um, uh, you know, we, we haven't quite got the cash together to get the brewery up and running or we're going to make some expansion plans, but it's going to be a while yet. So... Um, I was kind of okay with that for a little while, but then I was getting more, more sort of fed up in the, in the previous job. So I said to uh, my mate in St. Louis, you know, we met up for a few beers in London and sort of potted around going to some of the craft beer and old cask beer pubs and stuff. And uh, I said to him, have you got a job going? He said, well, that's really, really tough. Cause if you're, a US company in order to employ someone from abroad you've really got to like prove to the 
US government. There's no one else can do that job. Right. And, you know, as much as I think I'm a fantastic brewer, uh, you know, brewers are available in the US. Yeah. So he said, he said, come across, uh, we'll pay, uh, we'll pay for your sort of bed and board. Um, but we can't pay your wage. So just come across, have a bit of a working holiday, get to know our like super cool, technically advanced brewery kit. And we brew everything from like, you know, Czech Pilsners through to hazy IPAs and stuff. Uh, it's got a barrel age programs. So it was, you know, the difference in sort of the, types of beers that uh, they were brewing and the types of beers I'd just been brewing was like night and day. So I thought I've got a bit of savings. I need a bit of a, like a shot in the arm in terms of kind of, you know, a, a career boost and a CV boost. So I decided just to go for it. So came over and while I was uh, there, I was supposed to be there for two or three months, visited friend on the West coast um, did a little bit of traveling, um, enjoyed St. Louis. It's a cool little city. Um, got to work on some really fantastic beers and brewery equipment and just hung out and had a great time. And I had a couple of Skype interviews, and a couple of phone interviews. One guy came over from a new brewery in Liverpool. So there was some positive things that I would, was going to go back to, you know, even more, hopefully, you know, um, Hopefully there'll be a you know a good job back in the UK yeah. after my two or three months in St. Louis. Um, but after two weeks, I met the girl who's now my wife. So the uh, the whole thing about you know you can't come to the states and be a brewer became I can if we get married. So uh, we've been married four years or so now, um, and yeah, it's uh, it's been a a real sort of whirlwind thing in lots of ways. And there's been lots of ups and downs, but uh, yeah, that's how I kind of came and stayed. I came, I tell people I came for a holiday and never left. Right. <laughs> and so you said that um, before I hit the record button, uh, when I asked which brewery you're at, you said, you're not a brewery now, you're not in the industry. I mean, can, can you talk about that and share that experience? Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, the brewery before last that I worked at in in, in this area um, was a pretty well established, um, pretty big, uh, professionally run craft brewery, and it kind of had a a real focus on German beers, and that's something I'd done before in London, and then up in in the world I'd done some lagers as well, um, and. Uh, they're a great team, but um, in some ways, there's there's some uh, comparison to the brewery I was working at on the Wirral. So um, they have a, a relatively small uh, range of beers and do them really, really well. But um, it, you know, it's the head brewer and working in conjunction mainly with the owner who was like a serious home brewer and really really big german beer fan mm. so it was those guys that would come up with new recipes by and large and again there was a, a little bit lacking in terms of just being one of the brew crew that you you know you don't have that much creative input um really great place to learn <clears throat> very very focused on on quality and authenticity of kind of german beer styles um and I love the product at the end of the day. Really, really good beers. 
But after two and a half years of being there, I just decided I was up for a change. So for a year or so, I'd been in talks with a local sort of family and friends group who were uh, setting up a new brewery nearer to where I lived. And they just seemed like they had their head screwed on. They were already working in conjunction with a guy who was a brewery consultant and packaging guy. So he'd run a canning line at a a pretty well-respected local brewery in Kansas. And... Yeah, so they seemed like not your average clueless um, startup, uh, but they hadn't been in business before. Mm. Um, so yeah, we um, we sort of hung out. Uh, they would do lots of sort of community activities in the year or so before they were actually ready to uh, launch the business. Just sort of building the brand and building a connection with the local community, and that was just really quite a sweet idea. They do fundraisers for, you know, if you came to them with some kind of uh, good cause, they would, you know, brew some homebrew, give the beer away, and let you have a stall. And they would do that either. Think mainly sort of uh, from their own like um, driveway, one of the houses, and sometimes through sort of you know local community events like um, sort of Fourth of July festivals and things like that, or town festival. So that seemed like a kind of as somebody who's been in the industry forever, that seemed kind of like a, a safer option than just the sort of the mix of people that they had, the fact that they had investing their own money it wasn't just sort of you know throwaway money mm. and uh, all intelligent people with different skills so the two brothers well all of them are pretty skilled at kind of like uh, construction and engineering which means you're going to save a lot on setting up the brewery um but they knew what they weren't uh super confident about so they got staff in to do that so in terms of like tap room manager sales and marketing, staff training and packaging, they had one guy and in terms of actual production, they had me. Um, so it just seemed like a, a, as much as you can sort of put all your all your ducks in order before you start a brewery, they seem to have covered an awful lot. So, this is kind of a long story, but... Um, no, no, go for it. So yeah, they, they, uh, they did a lot of the construction work, uh, they worked with a uh, brewery supplier from the next state up from us and uh, so they're mainly using Chinese kit but it was uh, designed by uh, American engineers and then more importantly sort of backed up by the um, maintenance crew so if there's any problems they were only like a couple of hours drive away plus on the end of the phone and you're not speaking to someone in a different language and yeah. you have a hopefully you have a personal relationship with them so on lots of grounds they kind of like covered a lot of bases so uh, all of that was sort of rolling along we finally had like a start date for me and a proposed uh, opening date and then um, two weeks or so before I was supposed to start the uh, the other sort of pro uh, industry guy got a better offer. So suddenly I'm thinking, hmm, this becomes a much more difficult proposition, but I'm going to leave him in the shit. And I still, you know, had all the reasons why I wasn't happy at the last place. And I thought, well, you know, it's just a, a calculated risk that this may now not work. But, you know, I feel, I'd feel like a, a bit of a bastard if I just pulled out <laughs> and I'd made a commitment to it. So I'm going to follow through. But I knew it was going to be a lot more 
work mm. and it really 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 was so yeah we were doing it's like the owners were doing several of the owners were doing full-time jobs while also doing probably about another full-time if not more uh work to get the tap room and the engineering side and the services and everything and all the paperwork and all the, those sort of hoops you've got to jump through um so you know no one was uh, no one was slacking um but and we got we got beer in the tanks we got the, we met the launch date that we'd hoped for um we had a lot of trouble with the plants but we muddled through and got some good beer out yeah yeah so a lot of lot of difficulties and not i think the company that was selling the plant was was a bit overwhelmed so they're sort of um They've been very successful. They've sold uh, a lot of kit now into the UK. Uh, they make canning plants as well, and they're kind of um, they've got a UK distributor. And I think they're doing they're just trying to do too much too quickly yeah. without the right number of staff. And that was a bit of a pain in the arse, to be honest. Uh, and you know, we were already you know working really hard and really long hours and whatnot, and that that didn't help. But as I say, we got good beer out of the kit. Um, with those sort of difficulties it was a very over-engineered little brewery as well and that's the second time I've, I've used one of those and it's just like you know bells and whistles everywhere i could i could turn on every pump and many of the valves from an app on my phone but if the thing doesn't actually do what you want it to do not much help yeah sometimes having that valve tree is kind of like in, you know in a, a three barrel brew house it's like you know a hose would have done <laughs> yeah 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 um and, and this was kind of like you know you've got to go up four steps to adjust a valve or, or open and close a valve that you were stood right next to on the ground it's like you know, mm. I could have just moved that with my hand. Now I've got to dry my hands. Don't use the touch screen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just it's silly. So this was this wasn't tiny brewery, but it was only uh, ten barrel U- US. Yes, so barrel, that's yeah. like yeah. Uh, so it's like seven or something, seven and a half, I think, off the top of mm. my head. So it's you know, it's brew pub size really. Um, so yeah, after a couple of months of doing that, I was getting more. With, with sort of still working long hours and doing some kind of uh, what was what was interesting and great about it was just that we were doing all those kind of funky cool um, beer styles that I'd never really brewed so I brewed in London and brewed some US recipes because I took over as brewer at uh, zero degrees in Blackheath and the guy before me was a GABF award winner and a GABF judge. So he brewed some great um, American pale ales and brown ales and stuff and American wheat beer. But it was before kind of many people were getting into things like, you know, sours and mm. hazy IPAs and then using totally crazy ingredients in beers. So uh, I got to do a bit of that. And between kind of all of the staff, uh, one of whom was a really good home brewer, uh, and using my contacts that I've had and just doing a lot of research, a lot of reading either online or uh, in books and stuff, you know, we came up with some with some great beers. Um, I'd never brewed any kettle sours, and while it was uh, that was kind of like a, a lot of a lot of reading and research, and still a lot of kind of hit and miss. So we had like three and four day uh, acidification processes just because. 
obviously the lactobacillus was not quite happy in our mm. mash tun for whatever reasons. So, um, and I, I didn't want to overshoot it, so I was checking like every three or four hours, 24-7. So, you know, kind of coupled with how much work we were doing and then like busting up your sleep patterns and things like that, it kind of uh, came to a point where I was getting quite down with it all. And I think sometimes if you feel like the people around you or the situation around you is causing you to feel crappy, then your relationship with them can suffer. And I, and I would definitely say that was the case. Um, so we had like a meeting about how things were going, but no one really kind of said, you know, they just said, how can we help you do what you need to do? So I owned up and said, you know, I'm, I have like anxiety and depression to a certain extent. Normally that's very manageable and can do my job. But right now with the work pressures uh, and the sort of constant work pressures that have been since, you know, this was in April and that it started in October. Mm. I said, you know, this is, this is tough. So I'm going to need some more support and in this way and that way, this would help. And there was sympathy and, um, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a willingness to um, to help, um, but I got the feeling that not everyone was entirely happy with that response from me, and I kind of get it. You know, you don't want to hear a key member of staff saying, "I'm not happy or able to do every part of my job right now," especially in a small, yeah, you know, small tight yeah. business. So. At least in terms of what they were saying, it was pretty positive. But uh, about 10 days later, I got a call in uh, on the weekend and I went in to check on the beers at the same time. And they said, just come and come into the front and have a chat with us. And they uh, let me go there. No, no sort of. Wow. Yeah. So. Well, did they give you a reason or was it just like. Um, no. So my. You know, the previous meeting that we had wasn't mentioned. It was just, um, you know, it's not working out. And in, I think, Kansas and Missouri, the two states that KC is on either side of, there's a thing called at-will employment, which is basically saying that any number of staff can leave when they want to. Any uh, employer can fire anyone when they want to. There are supposed to be some uh, protections for being fired for having an illness. So... I haven't quite given up uh, fighting on that side, but basically I left the industry. It was pretty acrimonious, uh, the sort of parting of ways, lots of sort of accusations on their part that I was dissing them in public. And then uh, I have not received uh, some pay and some vacation pay that I was due. Um on their part, they had given me a loan to buy a car and they have left that with me. So I don't want to say that, you know, it's all on them. Mm. But in terms of kind of some things, they badmouthed me to a um, prospective employer. I would say, well, should we say, when, when a prospective employer phoned one of them, they said um, no comment on whether they could recommend me as a member of staff and, and how 
most people would feel about that, Correct. but I know how yeah, I felt about that. You know, you know, as, as a potential employer, you're not going to get po- positive signals from a comment like that, are you? No, no. So, Gosh. and that kind of that kind of really really ticked me off. So they had said they'd got me to sign a non-disparagement agreement, and I didn't disparage them. Um, but they felt that I had because a friend had mentioned them once on Untapped and said something that was vaguely cryptically uh, uh, negative about how they treated their staff. And once they told me that that had happened, I got him to take that down. So it's not like it, you know, I was like, you know, I didn't say it. I'm not doing anything. You know, I was actively trying to be professional about it and said to my friend, you know, thanks for your loyalty or whatever, but uh, it's actually causing, you know, some problems. I explained that to my former bosses and they they said there were several incidents like that. And I said, show me, because I, I know I, I haven't asked anyone. I don't know I haven't said anything. So show me. And they didn't show me any more than that one. And that was the one that I got removed from untapped, I think it was. So, yeah, um, it was a couple of, couple of months after that. I was working part-time when I'd been used to a really good wage at that place. Um, obviously, pro rotted per hour, it probably wasn't that good a wage when I was basically doing two people's jobs for a chunk of time. Mm. But um, uh, in terms of keeping, you know, I'm, I'm married now and my wife's got a good job. It's not like, you know, the, the wolf was at the door or anything, but just in terms of, you know, helping out with the bills and, and whatnot. Uh, you want to, you want to keep up your side of the, of the, of the, of the, of the job of being a, you know, partner in your, in your family. So, yeah, definitely. um, so that, does that bring us up pretty much to today where you are now? So yeah, I, I'd been working part-time back at the previous brewery, uh, on the bottling line, just kind of earning a few bucks an hour to, to get some cash in. Uh, but basically I was out of work for a good few months and then, friend mentioned a job was available outside of the industry that had benefits which is important obviously in this country you know having um not having the nhs you know it, it's really uh, important that you've got some health coverage yep. so uh, and it paid okay and it had some of the skills that i liked and it was pretty kind of on your feet and active it's not something i enjoyed about brewing was that you know you weren't just sat behind a desk and uh you know you got moving and using skills and using your body and things but yeah, that's basically where we're up to today. I work in a clothing warehouse and I, I'm in the inventory control department. I go up on, I don't know, four or five meter high platform, forklift trucks and basically count T-shirts. Yeah, mate. Th- well, th- I mean, thanks for sharing that, um, which, which is going to kind of lead into some questions about, um, you know, the workplace environment and stuff. So on the podcast this year, I want to tackle some really difficult topics that the industry mm-hmm. and its people face and, you know, particularly surrounding stuff like workplace environment and how it can affect your mental health as a brewer. I mean, what, what from, from your experiences so far in the beer industry, what, what do you think that a brewery owners can do, especially of like, say, smaller outfits where there simply aren't HR departments, um, what do you think they can do to support their staff and team members, both mentally and physically? Um, there's a bunch of things. I think the first thing is is just having open and honest communications. So, you know, it, and, and that's two ways. You know, if they're having trouble and they're struggling, um, you know, as an employee, I'd want to know, you know, and as a human being, I'd want to, you know, see, well, how can we work it so that everyone who works here, including the owners, are looked after in terms of their, you know, physical and uh, emotional well-being. 
Um, so yeah, that's the first thing for me is just being honest and open about things. Um, and then trying to meet people where they're at. So if, you know, if, if a major issue is overwork, then, you know, can you, and, and people don't feel that they're even financially being rewarded for that over time that they're doing, which is often the case with, with brewers, they probably are, you know, if you're a head brewer, especially, or a single brewer in a brew pub, um, the chances are you're probably on a salary and that probably doesn't include overtime but mm. being a brewer is not you know as you know is not a nine to five i'm off now oh, yeah <laughs> sort of job so yeah um so being aware of that and, and and making allowances when someone wants some time off or when someone says you know that, that, that you know they want some help in, with with something um that it's not just always on their shoulders so you know if, if um you know, if, if you have a period where you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, it's got to be obvious to everyone that that can't be a long-term thing. You've got to feel appreciated. And if there's no money in the kitty for actual overtime, then there should be something that, 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 that compensates you. Mm-hmm. So if that's like, you know, if you've literally worked for three months at, you know, 1.5 person's hours you know if you've been in 60 70 hours a week then you know you're in my mind you're probably due if they can't pay you then you're the, the you're probably due much more vacation time yeah and they'll have to deal with that down the line mm. um, and whether that's you know working when once things get once you've got maybe some more staff or things are quieting down after a busy period then you know maybe that means that they they get they work four days a week yeah, and you've got someone else going in and checking on the gravity. So it does actually feel like you've got a day off rather than feeling like you're the only one who can do everything in the brewery. Yeah. Um, so that's about, you know, just finding a way of lightening the load or making you feel appreciated. Hmm. I mean, why do you think there are so many business owners out there and it's, you know, not by any stretch all, but some, you know, that seem to put profits ahead of people. So I think people, some people think that it's a really cool industry to be in, but I think other people think that it's a cool industry to be in and it's very profitable. And I think uh, oftentimes they will try and make a quick book and it's just not the industry to make a quick book in at all. <laughs> I, you know. I think most, most people are probably laughing right now. <laughs> yeah, there's there's yeah. money in the beer and, industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, obviously if you've, if you've, sunk a lot of money in and you're not seeing that return then you're gonna a natural response i don't think it's the right or the fair response is to you know as, as the, the business phrase goes milk your assets well if that's or sweat your assets but if that's um you know if the assets are your staff and you're squeezing them too hard then that's not that's not how to run the business they're not gonna give back to the business and be the sort of person that you would want to employ if they're feeling put upon or if you're actually having an impact on their mental health Mm. i think for business owners as well it it comes down to understanding that 
not everybody shares your own personal values. So I think a lot, again, not all entrepreneurs, because I think there are two types of entrepreneur. I think there are those that are doing something to bring some good and value into the world because they're passionate about that thing. And there are some that just Mm -hmm. kind of value money and they want to make money. And I remember being in a meeting once in, in, uh, with one employer where um, we were having some consultancy about the business and um, he was saying, well, I can't afford to pay the staff more. And she was like, it's not about always paying them more. You even ask these guys if they want pay more. Maybe they want more holiday. Maybe they want perks and stuff. And we were all like, you know, yeah, you know, just a, a case of beers every so often wouldn't go amiss or whatever. Just, you know, even little mm-hmm. things like, you know, coming in, Emilia, you know, I, I'm seeing you working really hard. Go, go home early today or, you know, just a thank you, <laughs> like a genuine, yeah. I'm, re- I'm really thankful for what you do. You know, those things go such a long way. And I think if, you, if you're just so money focused and money driven, you know, and you th- then you will look at a situation like, well, I've got a brewer, he or she wants to pay more and I can't afford to pay them more and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and I think as, as human beings, we, you know, yes, money is important. And, you know, I've never met someone who would, who would say they want less, mm. but it's, it's by far, you know, it's not the only thing. And if you've got enough, it's not that important at all you know for me job satisfaction and being happy in your workplace yeah. and getting on with the people that you work for and feeling proud of the things that you do those things you can't put a price on you know if you've got all of that and enough money to live on and you know hopefully plan a little for your future so it's not just you know day-to-day living expenses covered then yeah you know all of those things matter greatly i would say yeah, yeah. absolutely i mean you know, we spend most of our lives at work, don't we? Or a very good portion mm-hmm. of our life at work. And you, you want you want that time to be, you know, feel like you're contributing towards the, the greater good, so to speak. I mean, it, should any brewer listen to this? And I, I've come across loads of brewers that have, have been in this situation. Um, like, should anyone find themselves in a toxic environment? What sort of things can they do to protect themselves from being taken advantage of? Honestly, I'm not entirely sure. I mean... If 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 it's just you know I don't necessarily think that every environment where you're being asked to do things that would not generally be reasonable in like an office job like no office job it's rare for an office job to suddenly insist that you work another thirty hours a week or something and that's not obviously not the norm in most brewing jobs but it can be at particular times mm. so set up or coming up to Christmas coming up to summer or if someone just suddenly gets another job and you're left with two people's uh, roles then so it doesn't necessarily have to be toxic but what I would say is if in those sorts of situations for me it's, it was really really important and handy that I had the support of my wife you know just in terms of her saying you're not going to see very much of us in the next couple of months and that's okay yeah and you know just just being confident enough in your relationship and looking out for one another and you know doing the things you know knowing that you're not doing doing your job as a partner or a, or a, in my case a stepdad as well that you would perfectly like but trying to at least cover the bases and then having the confidence to say to you to your uh, employers that you know I've done a I, I feel I've done a really really good job this week but I can't do this and just sort of standing up for yourself and being honest with them and saying you know can someone else do this or can it be put onto the list for next week and then just sort of trying to carve out some time to do things that make you feel you know 
more like a human being and more grounded and chill. So, you know, if that's like going for a beer and reading a book rather than, you know, pounding pints back and getting out of your tree, then, you know, that sort of thing. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of just getting out into some fresh air. I don't do it as, as much as I should, but just, you know, going for a walk somewhere, just seeing countryside or a lake or a river or something and just, you know, trying to trying to cut off from social media. I'm someone who's been on, like, the brewing and beer social media for, like, I don't know, 20-plus years, and I'm aware, becoming more aware that I'm kind of spending too much time on it. It's great to have that connection and to have something in common with people all over the world and stuff, and it's great to make friendships and then meet them up, meet up with them in real life, but it can be a emotional and time-draining thing mm. if you do too much of that. Yeah. So, yeah, just trying to find balance, even in the crazy times. Yeah. I always think there's an onus on business owners to make themselves as approachable and personable as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a fine line when you're, I've, I've, if you're either a manager or the, you know, the owner of a business on, on you know, be, being, being friendly with employees. But, you know, some, sometimes you've, you've got to kind of, you've got to lay the ace card down or, or the trump card down yeah. or whatever. And, and, and you know, I've, I've had to do it in the past where, um, you know, to my friends and stuff and, and, and say, look, that you can't carry on like that, you know, and because if, if you build that kind of good relationship with your employees and your staff and your team, when you've got to give the hard word, you know, it's, it's given in love and then yeah. it's received, it's received well, you know, and, and, and people learn from it rather than if you're a complete and utter twat and you go around and, you know, every other. And then you've either got to use the big stick or, or a bigger prize and, and still people would be pissed off. Yeah, you? absolutely. Yeah. So the, the previous place I worked at, you know, it was a team of five brewers, one head brewer, and then a, a, a CEO. And, you know, every now and again, the CEO would make a decision that meant that, you know, someone was going to be working late or sometimes it'd be the head brewer. And because we were such a close knit team and because we had each other's backs uh, and because the bosses, you know, listened to us and were seen as, you know, definitely our bosses, but also our friends and that they knew, you know, how to ask questions and how to uh, ask us to do something that was, you know, a little above and beyond every time they'd get a good response and the response would either be, Oh, I think we can do it a different way or, or yeah. One of us will, uh, as, uh, Anthony Bourdain would say, uh, you know, what you want from a group of people that you work with is that everyone will take, it's a horrible phrase, but everyone will take a bite of the shit sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, that everyone, you know, and because everyone's doing it, you just go, okay, F it, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take a bite. If everyone's doing it and, and we've all got each other's backs and we like each other or even love each other, you know, we'll, we'll do this. And, and we are working towards a common core. Mm. We make the best damn lager in, in this part of Missouri or whatever. And, you know. Yeah, totally. It, I mean, I've, I've got a friend whose husband manages a pub and um she was telling me how um someone puked up all over like all over the floor like everywhere and mm. he got the mop and bucket and he did it in front of all the staff to make a point mm-hmm. that there is no task in here that is beneath me you know so yeah, if, if, nice. if he asks one of the other staff can you go clean that up they're not all like well i can't believe you know he never does it and all the rest of it you know and he, yeah. he would literally do the shit jobs sometimes mm-hmm. like literally the shit jobs as you can probably imagine yeah, yeah. um do, do, yeah i i i love that, that attitude to, to your staff and just say you know uh, i will respect you when you pick up that mop on a on a you know on a saturday night when you want to go home and 
where you want to sit down and have a beer, but you're just willing to, to pick it up and do it. Yeah. I mean, if you find yourself in a situation where you've been treated badly or there's something just not quite right, um, you know, whether your employer's aware of their behaviour or not, because some people just seem blissfully unaware of how they behave socially. Um, I mean, how can you respectfully approach and even challenge them? And, and, and should you be doing that? Or I think you can, you know, m- most of us, I would hope, are kind of aware of, you know, the cues as to what they're giving off. And you give someone a chance to, you know, if you can find a, a, a quiet time or, or actually set aside some time and say, listen, I just need a quick chat. Are we okay to do that on, you know, Tuesday, 10 o'clock? Because that's when, you know, the place isn't going crazy. And just sit down and, and try and be honest with, with them. But if doing that, you get a response which you're not happy with and you don't think is fair and right, you know, and there doesn't seem to be any other way around it. You know, you can't speak to another member of staff who can who can you know, uh, go to the, your boss on your behalf or, you know, s- some way working out. I think what happens is sometimes you just, I think the right answer at that point is probably just to start looking elsewhere. It's like if, if someone's showing you and telling you through their actions or, or inactions that they don't respect what you're saying or they don't have time to, or the ability to understand or respond to what you're asking them, um, then you should take them at their word and take them at their actions. You know, it's probably not going to work out. Mm. So what are some of the telltale signs people should be looking out for when it comes to taking a job in a brewery that might act as a, a warning signal to that little voice, that gut feeling that we often bury deep down under like quote unquote logic or a rationale mm-hmm. that says, oh, you know, you just you, you know you hear that thing in your head where it's like uh, something doesn't sit right with me here but i can't quite put my finger on it but you know your, your logical brain's being like no no you need this job and you know it'll be fine and you kind of like brush it off but then you find yourself in a situation where you're like damn <laughs> shouldn't have taken this job yeah i i would i would i would say that i'm the last person you should ask about that <laughs> <laughs> i've just done that I mean, what? what, what so yeah. What, what, I mean, you know, all I would say is listen to what listen to what you you know what you feel that your uh, intuition is saying to you in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. Is is that kind and of? What I, you I would really say drove to yourself, a hard bargain. Is that what yeah. you'd say to yourself several years ago if you're giving yourself? A no, piece of I, advice I think or? I think the answer to, the answer to to my case was just you know I took a, a a risk that I thought was worth taking, and I'm not kind of. Uh, you know, it was my risk to take. No one forced me into doing it. Mm. And in other circumstances, it would have worked out. And in this, it didn't. I don't have any great, you know, I wish that it didn't happen. And I was pissed off with the way it happened. But ultimately, no one forced me into taking that job. Yeah. And I thought I'd done an awful lot of due diligence, both in terms of kind of like the business and practical stuff. I asked a shit ton of questions, but also getting to know the people mm. and I think it's important to do all of those things. Don't go in blind to a job, but realize, you know, there's a risk to starting anything new in life. And if you don't take risks, you're never going to do any of the things that you want yes, to do. So, absolutely. you know, the balance has to be struck between just wildly taking on something or never taking the risk. Hmm. I mean, what sort of things 
affect your mental health while working in the industry it perhaps in ways you don't often realize you know not and obviously it's you know you touched upon like long hours and, and that kind of thing but are there some other other ways that um m- maybe that we, we don't consider too much that can have an adverse effect on your mental health so this hasn't been the case for me but i know that some people and some breweries are very focused on ratings and reviews and stuff and I think it's helped in a way that the last the previous brewery that I worked at didn't make, by and large, any of the styles that people go absolutely nuts for. And that, you know, uh, beer, you know, beer boys, beer geeks, whatever you want to call them, they tend, they tend more often to be men, the ones who are, you know, hunting the whales and <laughs> all of that sort of stuff. Um, you know, they don't, they don't really care about, you know, a well-made Pilsner necessarily, or a, you know, a good Munich Dunkel. They they're more interested in the the hazies and the barrel ages and the super sours and things like that. So, in terms of being upset by ratings, you definitely get. I think for me, it's more comments than the figures. Um, you know, as a brewer, and I've been doing it long enough, I'll know that. You know, if a beer isn't perfect but it's good enough to go out and that's a very difficult you know it's a long conversation to be had and that's uh difficult decisions to be made and i would say that even with the struggles we had with the plant and some of the ingredients and stuff in my last place we still every beer was a good beer and was good enough to sell but some of them were were somewhat works in progress Mm. so some of the other members of staff and or rather some of the other uh, partners in the business were kind of more concerned about the on tap ratings and stuff. And to me, we were never quite the cool kids on the on the block because we weren't downtown in in KC itself. We were in a little suburb. So I thought that once we kind of like finessed the recipes and let the both the service and the welcome and the atmosphere and the community connection kind of get people's attention, that those ratings would come good and they were never terrible. We got some. There's a, a thing that I've been meaning to get to uh, in the local beer scene for the last few years. I'd always watched the videos of it, but it's called um, Brewers Read Mean Tweets, and it's just great that um, you know there's a Jimmy Kimmel oh, thing. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was trying to make the connection in my head, but I'm like, I know I've, I've, there's something out there like that. Yeah, it's Jimmy Kimmel is. And it's just it's you know <laughs> you get you. I think basically I, some people will nominate. Um, the tweets or the breweries themselves will say, oh, we got a great one. We should include this one. It'll be like, you know, just normally the randomest or crudest or funniest or whatever comments. And to me, that's how I think people should take. Uh, it's a strange thing. You know, if you're, a, if you're a professional brewer and you can taste the difference between good and bad and perfect and things like that, then you shouldn't let someone's ratings of your beers, if you know that they're good, give you a bad day or a good day too much. Mm. Same with awards, really. A lot of it is just about luck or about people either knowing the beer style that they're talking about or not, or having a bad pint in a pub that hasn't washed their lines in two years. You know, that's, you can't, it's going to happen. Yeah. And and you, it shouldn't happen. And there's things you can do in the industry to stop it happening. You know, you hopefully after you get a, a report like that back, uh, you're going to go and check that account and say everything okay. You're going to buy a pint and you know things like that. But yeah, it's it's funny. So that's one thing I think people do get a bit uh, disheartened by, and I can I can see that, and that's why I think it's good to to have a bit of a 
uh, to not be so focused on it in the first place. Yeah, it's funny how a lot of these armchair experts on Untapped, you know, are, are quick to slam the brewer, yet never really consider where it's being dispensed or, yeah. or, or, or etc. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, cans these days. No, I don't know. You know what the oxygen levels going into the can, how the cans, can or bottles been uh, stored, how old it is. You know, if you buy a can off a warm supermarket shelf, as happens here, I think people think that like the the beer delivery and um, storage uh, side of things is much better here. It really isn't mm. in a lot of places. Even with you know craft beer, it's, it'll be sat on a warm supermarket shelf, and it's just you know with, with the best will in the world, that's going to have a detrimental impact on the beer flavour. Yeah. So if, if you're struggling with depression and anxiety, what, what's a healthy way of dealing with it rather than reaching for a six pack, especially if you run down anyway? Because, I mean, as, as all brewers listen to this will know, like, you know, the, it is an ongoing physical constant job, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that alone when, you, you know, I mean, I come home and absolutely whacked you know, from a, a brew day, you know, and, and that's just a good brew day. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say it's sort of dealing with, I mean, it depends whether you mean that, you know, somebody is already having an issue with with either stress-related illness or anxiety or depression or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or that the job is causing them to feel that way uh, or just that it is a stressful job. So I would say, and a, a demanding job in terms of the physicality as well as all the mental you know, the the keeping on, you know, it's a job that requires a lot of focus if you're going to get it right all the time. And I'd say being physically fit, and I'm not, is, is I think, a really important thing that if you're physically and emotionally fit in the first place, then lifting, you know, 40 bags of malt is not going to be all that much. It's going to be another workout or whatever. Um, I think as brewers get older, doing that can be, you know, your, your knees and your back and your shoulders and your neck and everything can be, can start to sort of suffer a bit. And I'm always interested when I hear someone making a change in their brewing career, which moves a little away from the brew house. Mm. But that said, I met a guy on Sunday who seemed to be at least 60, if not 65. And he's double brewing, uh, well, with a, with a one colleague, he's double brewing. Uh, five days a week. What a hero! Well, he's also yeah, yeah. He was he's a very strange guy, but he's physically fit, so you know he's, he, he uh, cycles a lot, and he just did, he didn't bat an eyelid when I was asking him what what he does. Just like yes, yeah, what we do, we're, we're busy and we, we keep going. I mean, do you think obviously working in the industry that creates alcohol? I mean, do, do, you, do you think more people struggle with that than they probably let on? I mean, definitely. I think for me, it, for whatever reason, it hasn't been a, a major issue. I think, um, but I can definitely see how it was. And sort of anecdotally and historically, it always has been. So if either you were a pub landlord or lady or a working brewer in a regional brewery where you kind of had access to beer and or probably a tab at the local pubs that uh, were owned by your brewery, then it definitely, or indeed one brewery that I worked at, you could basically go and get a beer at, so I think the two years, there's like late nineties, I worked at Breaked Beers in Henley before they sold the family silver. Um, and like a year or two before I started, basically anyone apart from the Drayman, anyone apart from if you were driving a, a truck on the roads, um, could go for a beer at 
sort of like 10, 10.30, lunchtime, and then after work. They just had a bar that was open for, for staff. And yes, it's session beer. You know, the strongest beer we think we did was like four or five um, in terms of like, you know, standard beers that would be on tap in the tap room. But honestly, I didn't see too many people I thought were raging alcoholics. But in the in the business sort of delivering beer to a lot of pubs, you'd see people who were, you know, had the sort of telltale signs or if you went in for a beer uh, of an evening, they'd be drinking behind the bar and stuff. Uh, and not just social drinking, you know, definitely somewhat problem drinking. Mm. And I think brewers having, it's kind of an, an enmeshed situation that, you know, you're making a product that makes people happy. If you're making a, if you're making that good product, people come back. It's, you know, it's kind of a, it's seen as a, a, a fun thing to do. And it feels good after a hard day's work to have a pint or two just to slake your thirst and take a breather and chill. Um, and then, you know, going to beer festivals and repping the brewery, uh, you know, it's kind of having a beer in your hand is seen as, you know, what, what brewer wouldn't have a beer in his hand? It's like, you know, don't, never trust a skinny chef or that sort of thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's definitely people I'm sure out there who's, life has been affected by the easy access to alcohol and coupling that with a stressful job of being in the industry, then that would definitely be ways that some people would, would choose to uh, self-medicate. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's tough because if you know, I think brewing is kind of like a vocation, you know, it's a bit like nursing or being a priest or something, you know, people feel uh, a big connection to it in their lives. You know, often people have been, uh, big fans of beers for years and then become a brewer uh, or get in the industry in another way and it's like this is what I wanted to do and then if you find yeah. out that the, the product is causing you to to be ill through overconsumption then that's you know that's a shitty situation it's kind of like oh now I need to do I need to remove myself from the job that I always thought that I'd love and I still do love because it's causing a problem and yeah probably some people probably should Mm. I um, I put some questions out to the um, people on the UK beer and brewing professionals mm -hmm. group. Um, some topics we've covered. Um, I've got one here um, from Becky that says, I'd like to hear how brewers cope with the money worries and how much that can affect their mental health. I mean, as we've said throughout, there's not a whole bunch of cash in the brewing industry. I mean, if, if that's... Where, where do you find that balance between doing something you love and you're passionate about and working in a brewery, you know, not earning much money? Um, because it, there's only so far that that passion can take you before you're like, I'm skin. Definitely. I and I think we should, we think we should draw a distinction between business owners and employee uh, right. employees because, you know, if you're a business owner and you're willing to forego earning a, a ton of money for however long it takes to become successful and start to pay you a decent wage, then that's different from someone that you're employing. And I would say that anyone who employs anyone should basically be, be at the very least any member of staff. So if you're working in the tap room, if you're cleaning the toilets, you should still be on a living wage as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. And obviously that's a bit different if you're in central London than it is in, you know, rural Yorkshire and what people, you know, require might be different depending on the circumstances, but that shouldn't be a reason for paying somebody less. So if someone, you know, inherited a house that they, you know, only have to pay uh, rates or whatever on, 
it doesn't mean you should pay them less because they can afford to live less on less. But, you know, I think a, a living wage at very least. And then if someone's, you know, proven themselves to be capable of the job and uh, has the qualifications that as a business owner uh, puts your mind at rest that they can take on the job as a whole, you know, that you're not going to suddenly need someone else to do this thing or get some consultant in to fix a problem or, you know, the by and large the on the brewing side, for example, that, you know, day in, day out, they'll find a workaround that will get good beer out um, that, you know, you should pay on that basis as well, that, you know, this is a, this is now someone who has honed their craft that they've invested in their education and in their experience and that you're reaping their benefits, but you should also pay for the, for the, for the privilege of, of having them work for you. And a privilege, but you know what I mean? That, you know, yeah, if yeah. someone does a good job and gives you the confidence to look after the other aspects of managing your business, then that requires adequate I'd say that's more than a living wage. Yeah. It's all been quite doom and gloom and, you know, the glass is half empty. Um, I mean, what, what are some of the positive aspects of working in the beer industry? There's, there's loads, you know, the, the friendships that I've made, the, you know, the joy of, of uh, seeing a full tap room and people enjoying your beer, people, you know, and I, as much as I don't listen to Untapped a great deal, just having someone come up and say, "Wow, that that particular beer that uh, we brewed a cookie stout and it was a crazy thing. It was a cookie white stout, and it's not the beer that I'm most proud of, but it was just fun that people would just keep on coming back and saying, "So how did you make it?" And I'd say we took 31 gallons of, of uh, white stout wort and we put 31 pounds of cookies in it, uh, and. Uh, and, you know, people go, oh, right, that's it. And then, yeah, we, you know, that, that was not my finest hour in terms of, you know, oh, this honing this recipe down. And But it's just always nice to hear someone either thinking, wow, that's a crazy idea and it tastes good, or just, you know, we had a few pints of that. Uh, my friend who isn't a beer drinker was just like, I think they're going to start drinking more stouts now because they didn't know the beer could taste quite like that. And, you know, just things like that. And definitely friendships and personal connections in the industry um, the joy of just sitting down somewhere and, and drinking a pint of your own stuff and being being pleased with it. Um, if you're lucky enough to work in a brewery that's got a tap room, then definitely that immediate feedback I I, I love, good or bad. You know, it's all it's all uh, useful information. You know, if you think you've made the perfect beer and it you know fits all the parameters you had, but someone else, but the majority of the people in in the tap room think it's not that it could be better this way, then you've got to take some of that on board. I looked at those same questions that you put out, so I made a few notes. Let me see if I've got anything. Um, a few more pearls of wisdom. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, we were sort of talking about the physical aspect of the job, and for me, uh, I think so. I'm, I'm, as I mentioned before, I'm not super physically fit, but doing a job like brewing keeps me more active. Just having yeah. something to to do that requires me being on my feet. Um, lifting things, shifting things, uh, using equipment. Um, but it's not just about that. So it keeps your mind active as well, that there's always some challenge. Uh, even if it's just, you know, same old brew day as it was yesterday, there's still things, the whole process, I like the fact that it kind of rolls along from A to B to C, and every now and again, you know, some other symbol will crop up, you have to deal with that. But 
you know, by and large, it's a, it's a, you start with raw ingredients and you end up with, with beer. It's not like you're just uh, pushing pieces of paper around your desk. Mm. So that That's aspect of, of kind of productivity, or not productivity, but, you know, know exactly what the right word is, but, you know, crafting something, you know, making something with your own hands and in, in, in ingenuity and experience and skills. Bill, well, thanks for being on the Hot Four podcast today, Mike. Last question then. What one thing would you say to any brewer out there listening to this that might be looking to hop forward with their mental and emotional well-being? So I'd say, you know, whatever it is that's not making you happy, uh, you've got to make some positive decisions to improve that. Some, some, so, you know, if it's having that conversation with your boss that's going to be awkward or standing up for yourself, um, or you know, perhaps ultimately deciding this this job's not for you. You just got to don't put up with something if it doesn't seem to be right or making you happy. Um, you know, if ultimately you've got to leave, that's one way out. But at least if you've tried to make things better, I think you know rather than just be pissed off and be unhappy about it, then you know just doing that, uh, making some small positive changes uh, is maybe the way forward. Fantastic. Bro, well, do you think you'll go back to the beer industry? I don't know. I really don't. Um, I'm kind of, at the moment, just sort of enjoying not being in the industry for a little while, having a break from it. I've, I've got a kind of simple job that I do right now, and for, for this period of time, that's that's suiting me. Bro, well, all, all the best for the future, mate, and th- thanks, thanks for being honest and sharing. No worries. Thank today. you. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Four podcast this week. Don't forget, we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers. Hi,